Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Today, as we talk from Matthew 18, we get to a passage that is often, honestly, kind of avoided in uh, church circles, and uh, I'm not really sure why. I I was at a conference one time, and um, I was on a panel, and uh, I I don't embrace my my behavior. You'll see in a second, but I was on this panel, and the whole panel was about, hey, how do you and your church deal when you have uh, unruly church members? What do you do when you got people that are just mean, that are just nasty, that are just that are just wrong, causing problems? Like like, how do you guys handle this? And I'm on this panel, and I'm I'm the youngest guy. This was like eight, ten years ago, and I was on this panel, and uh, each person is dancing around the person causing conflict. Each member, each pastor up there, they're just like, well, you could kind of do this and maybe and be nice. And, and they're just talking and I'm, and I'm sitting up there and it finally gets to me. And by this time, now I don't, I don't approve of my attitude, but I approve of the scripture. But I, I was like, I said, guys, I don't know. Am, am I allowed? This is where I was wrong. Uh, Ed's an elder. I got to confess this to Ed. I said, guys, I don't know, um, I've been here for 10 minutes listening to these answers, uh, nobody's picked up this thing. I said, is this allowed at a church conference? And see, that's, you shouldn't do that. I could have made my point a different way, but I was like, hey, it's already in here. Like, we, we, we don't need to manufacture, we don't have to dance, we don't have to pretend, we just kind of, let's open it up and talk, it's okay. And so in opening that up, uh, I, I turned to Matthew 18, and I said, is it okay if I read a couple of verses? And then I read a few verses. Here's the verses for today. Matthew 18, 15 to 17. We're talking about living as kingdom citizens of heaven here on earth. It says this. If your brother, everybody say brother. brother. Everybody say sister. sister. Just so we're clear. If your brother sister sins against you, go and what? Gossip. Right? Right? Like, uh, (laughs) go and be mad. Go and fume. (laughs) Go and kick a trash can. No, go and what? Go and speak. Go to tell them. Go have a conversation. You know, we're missing the art of the conversation. We really are. And it's not easy for some of us, and we'll get to that in a second. But, but, But we're missing the art of having a conversation. Like, hey, I, 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 I felt this happened. This went down, this was said, this is how I received it, and, and, and I know, I, I believe the best about you, I, I know that that's, I don't know, there's just something here that it needs to, I, can, we, can we do this? That scares many of us. Just, just that initial, that scares many of us. It says, go and tell him his fault between you and him, with how many people? Alone. Everybody say Alone. Alone. If you got a problem with your brother, this is brothers in Christ, of course. If you have a problem with somebody within the church, you go to them one-on-one, alone. If he listens to you, you have what? Gained your brother. You've won him over. You've won over your brother. This is all in the context, as you'll see, in terms of relationship. All in the context of the goal being reconciliation. All in the context of love and harmony and family and and a kingdom 
mindset. It's all in the context of why do we even do all of this stuff? We do it all to gain our brother. We don't do it all to, to find, well, see, haha, I got you. Now I can cut you off. I got you. Now I can slam you into the ground. I got you. I, I, now I'm going to highlight your flaws. No. The whole motive, the whole time, is, man, I, I, I can game my brother Shadrach if I share with Shadrach that there's been a problem between us. Why? What is the context? What, if it says that you can gain your brother... What does it mean when conflict happens between us? What does it mean that our hearts have done? What does it mean that my heart and your heart, if there's conflict between us that's unaddressed, what is the scripture telling us has happened? The severed relationship. It's not that we're creating a new severance by going to them and trying to talk. That's how we view conflict, and that's why we're scared. Because we're just like, well, if I do this, it might cause a conflict. It might cause a problem. It's 20 years of preaching. You just catch the sermon as it flies off. It might cause it. So we, we're afraid because we go, I don't want to be a troublemaker. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to cause conflict. But what is the Scripture saying? The Scripture saying, no, 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 no. By talking, you can regain your brother, meaning that the conflict itself has already broken down that relationship. The conflict itself has already severed that. And so the conversation doesn't lose anything. The conversation is to gain. So let's go on. I'm preaching before I'm finished reading. But if, verse 16, but if he does not listen... Take one or two others along with you. So do you notice when other people get involved in your conflict? They, they don't get involved before you've tried to deal with it yourself. They, they don't get involved because they're hearing from you how ticked you are. They don't get involved from, well, I just needed to vent. No, no, no. They're not even involved until after you've done what you should do. And so it says, go and take one or two others along. Why? That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Meaning, listen, if you're not able to hash it out as brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're not able to agree on what went wrong there, if you can't look at the scriptures together and say, hey, this is what was violated and I'm asking for re reconciliation, or this is what I perceive to be violated and if, if I'm reading it wrong, please help me understand. But, but. The brothers come in, or sisters, other people are only invited in if the two of you can't establish that together. And so that's when you invite others. And then it says, if he refuses to listen, tell it to who? The church. Take it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. It sounds kind of harsh, right? It's like, Wow. Well, well, we'll break it all down. Verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you've gained your brother. You see, it's so important that we work towards reconciliation at all costs. Why? Because we are followers of Jesus who worked at reconciliation. His whole purpose was to reconcile God's children with himself. And if we follow Jesus, if we are followers of Christ, if we're imitating that spirit, we should be imitating the spirit of reconciliation wherever we go. 
reconciling, reconciling people that are far from God to God, reconciling people, one another, who have, who have lost fellowship, reconciling others to ourselves when we've done wrong or when we feel like that someone else has done wrong. Reconciliation should be a normal pattern for the Christian. But what do we do instead? There's typically three responses. Here's, if you're jotting notes today, uh, I want to encourage you to, because, man, if we could all get this right, um, you would have that spirit in a house. And, and I think we do. I think we do a good job, honestly, at this. Um, but, but if we would get this right, every single one of us, the, the spirit on our whole house uh, would, would be amazing and refreshing to people. By the way, all the notes today are on the Bible app. So open up the Bible app, click events at the bottom right, and then um, open up our location, and you'll see the notes there. But, but there are three things typically that we do instead of what the scriptures. In the flesh, what do we typically do? One, we avoid. Two, we absorb. Or three, we attack. We, we avoid it. We absorb it. We just take it all in. Or we aggressively attack. What does it mean to avoid? It means that we, we get into a, 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 adjust to a rhythm of our day so our schedule doesn't have to deal with the person. We avoid it. We just avoid it. We figure out, you remember, might remember when you were in school and you had a conflict with somebody in your school and what you would do is you'd figure out like when are they walking through the hallway or when are they at their locker or when, where do they eat? When do they go up to get their tray? And so you learned when you were young like, hey, if this mean girl or if this mean guy is a bad person and I want to avoid, there's 300 people here. Let me figure out their moves so I can figure out my moves so there doesn't have to be any conflict. Or maybe in your house. Maybe you grew up in a house where you had an explosive one both parents. And maybe you grew up in a house learning to avoid conflict because you just said, man, I, I don't, if, when, when dad gets like that, when mom gets like that, then I've got to do this. I've got to make my moves. I've got to be like Floyd Mayweather up in here. I've got to be dogged in the punches. So I'm, I'm going to get out of the way of all the mess. And so what we do is we learn conflict avoidance when we're young. And maybe when you were young, that was helpful. You didn't have a voice. You didn't know how to handle it. You, you didn't know what to do. So just avoiding the whole situation was the best thing. But when you became an adult, other adults expected you to have an adult conversation. Other adults expected you to tell them if they did something wrong. Other adults aren't your mom. They're not your dad. And so when, then, when they, have, they have an issue, they go, why can't we just talk it out? Well, because I'm conflict avoidance. I, I, I run. I dodge. I hide. But what happens when, when conflict avoidance doesn't work? We gossip, we, 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 we vent, we let out some steam because you've been avoiding the elephant in the room the whole time. What about the absorbers among us? The absorbers, you guys are, are, are relentless in your ability to absorb damage. You've just learned how to Take it, swallow it, and try to hold on to it. And every, so you don't really run. It looks like you're present, but you don't ever acknowledge when you're being hurt. So you just absorb the pain. You absorb the blow. You absorb the statement. You write it off in your head. It wasn't that bad. Maybe I misunderstood. It could have possibly been worse. And so you're, conflict, you're, you're absorbing it. You're not avoiding the situation. You're not avoiding the person. You're not changing your life. But what you're doing is each time you're just swallowing that pill, swallowing that pill, swallowing that pill. 
The problem is, is that when you're conflict avoidant, then you end up having bitterness in your heart. You end up living with pain and hurt. And here's what else you do. You start to get upset that others aren't defending you. Because you go, I don't have to do what the Bible says. I absorb. That's who I am. I, I just absorb. But man, I do know that that strong person, they've got to know this is going on. Why aren't they doing something? I mean, I can't. But, but come on. And we start to get upset at other people. So not only are we hurt by the person bringing on the problem, but then we become upset and it breaks other relationships because we say, man, that person's stronger. They could do something. And so avoiding it, absorbing it. The third one is what? Attack. Now, I will confess. This one's me. In the flesh, the third unhealthy way to deal with conflict is to go way over the top, drop nuclear bombs, lay everything out around you. Because on the inside, you don't want to be hurt. And so in order for me not to be hurt, in order for, I'm not going to avoid, and I'm not going to absorb, but man, I'm just going to... But do you notice that all three patterns, one, they're not biblical, but two, they end up still leaving us with wounds. The attack mode is an unhealthy aggression, overkill, makes people around you, as my wife has said, walk on eggshells. And so none of those three measurements are how we should go about conflict resolution the scriptures say no 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 if you are children of mine if you're my kids if you're my son my daughter there's a way I want you to deal with that and this is what we walk through so here we go it says this if your brother sins against you what does it say go everybody say go and tell go and tell you got it you got to make a move you got to open your mouth you've got to and I know for some of you, you're like, listen, I'm this many years old, and I've never done it, and preacher, good luck, I'm not going to do it now. I'm scared to death. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The more times that you successfully end a conflict in reason, communication, the greater, the larger that tool becomes in your tool belt. And so whether you are an avoider, whether you're an absorber, whether you're an attacker, the more times you can have a reasoned discussion to say, hey, what did you mean when you said that? Hey, uh, did I miss it? It feels like you're upset with me. How's your day going? Are you having a rough time? When, when, you, when you break the ice and have a conversation, you're going to find that that becomes easier over time. But as Christ followers, we have to admit and understand we are in a fallen and sinful world and we are fallen and sinful people. And as a result, we do fallen and sinful things and others do fallen and sinful things to us. 
And so we cannot expect that we're walking around in heaven dancing on clouds or dandelions. What we have to realize is there will be conflict. Jesus said it in um, John 17 or 16, 33. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. The question is, how will I handle the trouble when it comes? Write this down if you're jotting notes today. The goal of confrontation is reconciliation. The goal of confrontation is reconciliation. The only reason I'm going to, in Christ, not in my flesh, in Christ, the only reason I can go to God and say, God, please give me the wisdom, the confidence, the strength to say what needs to be said and no more, to try to bring my brother, win over my brother. And, And in that, if I'm stepping in the power of Jesus, the goal is always going to be reconciliation. It's not going to be to get vengeance. It's not going to get to make sure the other person is broken down and they know I was right and they were wrong. The goal is I want to win you back over. I I want to know and understand that we're good now. And so the goal of confrontation is reconciliation. I want you to understand this. In the context, this passage falls in Matthew. In Matthew 18, verses 6 and 7, uh, it's all teachings on forgiveness. Verse 6 and 7 says, hey, don't cause any little ones to stumble or the punishment's going to be harsh. Verses 10 to 14 says the parable of the 99 sheep and one went away. It emphasizes the importance of the individual person before God. Everybody is valuable. No one is expendable. It's this idea that we don't just start out and just go, well, if you're not 100% in agreement with me, you're out. I got news for you. You're going to be a lonely, lonely human if you live that way. My wife and I don't agree on, on two, we have different toothpastes. We, there, there's stuff we, we don't agree. I saw her this morning. I'm, I'm probably good. Am I going a little too far, Elder Ed? <laughs> I saw her this morning. I was, I was shaving on her side of the bathroom. I know. How dare I? But I saw her, I saw her eyelid kind of peek up. She's doing something, and she looks up. I just saw, all I saw, when you're married 20-some years, you're 20, is it 20-some? No, 20 this year. When, when you're married 20 years, and, and, and your wife just kind of looks up, she wasn't judgmental, she wasn't harsh, she wasn't mean, I just saw one eyeball. <laughs> and I, I went. No one is expendable. You matter to God, and so do they. Listen, whoever your they is. Whoever your they is. You you have, in this climate, in this culture, in this citizen world we live in, there is so many opportunities for you to create a they. They don't agree with me. They were cheering last week. They're going to be cheering this week. They. How could they even have that thought? How could that even possible? How can they, 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 they? And you need to realize you're a citizen first of the kingdom of heaven. If you're a Christ follower, your citizenship's there. There's these other little tribes that are going to fight stuff out all the time. And you've got to decide, is this person expendable to me? Or are they worth the conversation? The goal of confrontation is reconciliation. Then you go on, verse 21 and 22, the following text. Jesus tells Peter uh, that forgiveness is beyond calculation. 
He's like, Peter, don't even try to calculate how often you have to forgive somebody. Then it goes on. The, the theme of forgiveness continues with the unforgiving servant. It makes the point that God, from whom we've received forgiveness, expects us to extend forgiveness to others. The goal of confrontation is always reconciliation. Now, in reconciliation, what are the two ingredients, two main ingredients? Forgiveness, repentance. When forgiveness and repentance can happen simultaneously, then you have a restored relationship. Now, sometimes it's got to happen with one and not the other. But when it happens with both, that's when you're down. So listen, I need to become, as a Christian, I need to become professional in forgiveness and I need to become professional in repentance. I need to be able to say I'm sorry and I need to learn how to receive I'm sorry. Because some of us, we receive I'm sorry and we still, acted like, we still act like that we never heard the other person apologize. We still act like we can tell other people about what went down. We can still talk about that bad thing for the next 20 years because it brings us sympathy. And what we need to realize is the more we continue to drum up that bad thing that was already reconciled, already apologized for, we're digging up graves and we're carrying around tombs because that, that is not how Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to wake up and his mercies are renewed every morning. There's grace abundant for today. There's a new calling for us out there in this 24 hours. And the more we dig up old bones and carry them around with us, the more that we try to, to pretend that these things are still haunting us, the more that we are putting ourselves in long-term confinement. We're putting ourselves in the grave because we're not really living if we want to keep drumming up the past. But what we have to do is we've got to see a true re reconciliation is a forgiver meets a repenter. The person who, who harmed you says, I'm sorry I did that. The person who's been harmed says, I see that you're sorry. I want to win you over as my brother. I forgive you. This didn't. Now here, here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not, um, you know those little descriptors at the bottom of credit card commercials and bank loans? This offer not available in Hawaii. You cannot say, I forgive you until the next time we fight. I forgive you until the next time you do something stupid. I forgive you until the next time you mess up my order when you go get me dinner. Right? You're, you can't do that. It's got to be, I forgive you. This didn't happen. Now, when there's a long-term pattern and a person hasn't really actually repented, it may show up by repeated behavior. So that's a different discussion. But that's a, that's a discussion to ask that question, hey, is this a repeated behavior? Can, should we talk about it? But it's not to say, oh, well, you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this. Number one, guys, you're going to lose that because your memory is like the memory of a tick. Women have a memory of like a supercomputer. My wife will see something come up in Time Hop, and she's like, did you know you bought that shirt on a Saturday when we were flying into Houston? And I'm like, what? Forgiveness and repentance are at the heart of reconciliation. Gossip doesn't do that. That's an avoider. Sulking and whining about life doesn't do that. Doesn't do that. That's an absorber. Anger doesn't do this. That's the attacker. But here's the thing. If you're able to let stuff roll off your shoulders, take a little from Jay-Z, 
Dust those shoulders off. If you can do that, half you got the reference, half you didn't. It's okay. I got I to gotta bounce around a little bit. If you can do that, if you can dust your shoulders off and move on, all the better. But if you do feel like it impacts your relationship with a brother or sister in Christ, then you do need to have the conversation. But in having the conversation, the goal is reconciliation, not to bury anybody around you. Here's the thing. If you're, not, if you're jotting notes, write this down. Confronting doesn't cause division. It simply acknowledges what is already true. Confronting doesn't cause division. It simply acknowledges the division that's already true. The, the, the reality is the scripture says, hey, if you're hurt by someone, you can't view them as your brother or sister in Christ. You, you, you hold resentment. There's a gap. There's a distance. There's not perfect union. Jot the, jot, um, the reference, John 17, and go read that. John 17, he, he prays for us that we would be one as the Father, Spirit, and Son are one. That's how he prayed. He prayed that we would be so close-knit and unified that we would be just as tight with one another as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, the Trinity. And that's the level of intimate relationship that Christ followers are called to have with each other. Like, I love you. I know you. I know all your brokenness, all your shame, all your sin. I know it. Because why? You're transparent because you trust me and I trust you. And as we know one another, we never use that to harm each other. We never use that to undercut. We don't try to belittle. What we try to do is lift up and build towards Jesus. And in that, when we go back and forth and we learn each other more and more and more, our weaknesses, our strengths and all, in that, if there's ever conflict, we step into it. We don't step into it because we're trying to create conflict. We st step into it because we're trying to create reconciliation. We step in not as the aggressor and anger. We step in to heal. As Christ followers, we step into the conversation to bring about healing. It's not about my pride or my ego. Now listen, you could misstep into that with pride and ego. And you shouldn't. But if you're prayed up, if you're broken before the Lord, and here's the thing, before you go confront another person, go confess. Before I confront, I should confess. Why? Because my heart needs to be in the right posture before God. I need to, before I go to you and say, hey, I'm hurt because you said this or that, I need to first go to God and say, God, you know I screwed up yesterday. You know I screwed up this morning. You know, I looked at my husband wrong when he was shaving in front of my mirror. You... <laughs> no, we just go to God and we say, God, I am a sinner. And I need your salvation. I need your forgiveness. But I also know that my relationship with my brother, my relationship with my sister is, is broken because of this offense. I want to humbly step into that conversation. And if you can do that, you're prepared for reconciliation. Because you're there not to attack, not to criticize, not to put down. You're there to rebuild. You're there to be present. You're there to have reconciliation. If you're jotting notes, write this down. Never be so busy when in an argument that you lose relationships. Never be so busy winning a fight that you lose a relationship. This is a tragedy among us as Christ followers 
is my feelings got hurt. I've woe is me. This happened to me. And as a result, I'm going to come at you and I'm going to take it out on you. And I'm going to win this argument. And, and when you tried to explain what you were thinking, oh, no, no, that's not what you were thinking. That's not what I saw how you acted. And we really work so hard to try to be right. All it's doing is revealing the pain that's inside. We have to reconcile more than be right. We have to say, you know what? Okay. You and I are disagreeing about what happened. The scripture says that at this point, I need to back, back away. And maybe we should invite some Christian brothers or sisters in. So that they can help give us some perspective. But never be so winning that you lose the relationship. The scripture says in verse 16, as I'm alluding to, but if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be what? Established. Meaning that there's a chance you're wrong. We got to make sure this is all accurate. By the evidence of two or three witnesses. If you're writing notes, third parties are reserved when two parties can't agree. Third parties are reserved for when two parties can't agree. Don't jump to the third party. If you do, you're wrong. I've had people uh, come to me right away. Pastor, I'm really disappointed in Brother Ray. You know, Ray is over there loving on people, you know, caring about humanity, but I'm a little upset with Ray. When that happens, I always ask, well, have you gone to Ray? But let me just tell you why I'm upset. No. I don't care. You, you don't care about my hurt? No. Not until you do it biblically. Right now is not the time to be involved in me. Right now is not the time to short circuit. Right now is not the time to build alliances. We're, we're not playing risk. What we're doing is try to build relationship. So right now is not the time to come and talk to me. You know how much healthier the church at large, all of us Christians in the world, do you know how much healthier the church would be if all of us were programmed to just go, um, stop, did you talk to them yet? Well, well no, but, 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 ah, here's the problem. I don't gossip. It's this flaw I've got. I, I, don't, I don't deal in everybody's story. I don't get any ego trip out of knowing other people's business. Little flaw. Um, I think you probably should go and work this out. Imagine if we all did that. We create a culture where you could feel trusted to know if somebody's hurt from me, they're going to come talk to me. Because why? I have brothers and sisters in the environment that won't allow them to gossip. And because of that, I know they're either going to just leave or they're going to have the conversation. How much more freeing is that to walk into the environment every week, to walk into every small group, to walk into every prayer group? How much more freeing is it to know I'm in a place where no one has ill will towards me? Because if they did, this environment requires them to talk to me. How much more free could you be with your prayer requests? How much more transparent could you be with your pain? If you knew that I was not among a people that were going to take advantage or try to hurt me. I'm among a people that are trying to heal and try to build me up. That's why I don't 
do the third party thing before two parties have already talked. This is, if you want to scribble down notes, Deuteronomy 19.15, 1 Timothy 5.19. Deuteronomy 19.15, 1 Timothy 5.19. Deuteronomy says, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity, for any sin, and any sin that he sins. And um, at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall a matter be established. Deuteronomy. In 1 Timothy, it says, Don't receive an accusation against an elder except at the word of two or three witnesses. Meaning, like, we can't just... just um, Blindside people, we've got to be able to have other people um, present. We've got to make sure the record is established. If both parties are Christian, they should be seeking reconciliation to model Christ. Why do we need third parties sometimes? Sometimes we can't see eye to eye because we're all using different eyes. Have you ever, um, the illustration is like a, a traffic accident. And there's a reason that a police officer will go and interview as much of that scene as possible. Because the person from behind is going to see one perspective. The person on the side is going to see another. The person across the street may yet see another. And it's with collecting all of that data, you start to get an accurate picture. Sometimes you view an offense that happened to you, and the other person goes, I totally was not trying to offend you at all. Now, the incident still happened, right? It's not to deny that something was said or done. But you bring in an other party because you acknowledge I can't see 360 degrees in this relationship. I don't know everything I said or everything I did that caused it to get here. And maybe other people could illuminate for me some stuff that I'm missing. These are our blind spots. And we all have them. I, I, I don't know if you realize this, but you have blind spots. There's parts about you that you don't realize you're living out of that are, are damaging to others. And so bringing other people in helps us. Uh, I personally recommend professional counseling, 100% all the time. If you're around me for any length of time, you'll hear me say, like, hey, I'll talk to you for a couple of sessions, but if we can't fix it in two or three, I'm going to help you make sure you get professional counseling because we need to have others help us see our blind spots. Verse 17 says, if he refuses to listen, then take it to the church. This is after the facts are established. The people that were brought in agree with the, the person that says, hey, there's a problem here. They come in. They look at it. They go, yeah, there is a problem here. Brother, you need to fix it. And they go, I'm not fixing that. I don't care if y'all think there's a problem. Take it to the church. Now, this is when you come to me or the elders and you say, hey, how are we as a church going to stand for this? Here's the response. The church body must care for everybody. The church body must care for everybody. Meaning that when we have friction within the body of Christ, our body, your body has uh, T cells, white blood cells, B cells. You, your body has the ability to fight off a foreign object that is not trying to participate healthily in the body. And it's a similar pattern for us in Matthew 18 that as the church, my responsibility is to protect the sheep and shepherd the sheep. And so if it comes down to the fact that we have a sinner who is not acknowledging their sin. They've been confronted personally. They've had two or three witnesses. All the facts are established. And they're still being unrepentant. They're still being a jerk. They're still being mean. Then it comes to the church. Now the church, the elders, myself, representing the body, we come and we get involved and we say, hey, what's going on here? We see it all out. We go, yeah, 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 you're, you're wrong. You don't acknowledge you're wrong. It's clear biblically that you're wrong here. Please acknowledge this. I don't want to acknowledge it. I'm going to keep living how I'm going to live. Well, at some point, the body has to care for every body. 
And we're not loving if we allow someone to continue to destroy a family over and over and over and over. That's not loving. Some of us have grown up with a distorted picture that that's how you love. You just let a a person take an emotional hatchet to everybody around them, and that's okay. we got to love them. We do. But sometimes we've got to love you from a distance. Sometimes we've got to get the hatchet out of your hand. Sometimes we, we, we've got to create a little space over here, to, over here, six feet. That's a great example. Great example. Sometimes I've got to love you with some distance. And that's why the scripture says, you know what? If he refuses to listen, take it to the church. If he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Under Armour says we must protect this house. That's exactly what we do. And again, in that case, in that case, what we're not doing is we as a church are not saying it's okay to have discord. We're not saying it's okay to gossip. We're not saying it's okay to keep anger in your heart. What we're saying is, is that we've got to protect the body from the brokenness. And if you're not, and here's the deal, even in that, even in that, we're still hoping for reconciliation. We're still praying the best for that person. We're still asking that person. I've, uh, in the life of our church, about 10 years now, there's only been one time that the elders and I met and we felt it was time to write a letter asking somebody to leave the church. One time. And I can tell you that those conversations were really hard. There wasn't 100% agreement that we've got to do it because none of us want to Go down that road. You don't want to. But if it's clear, and this was a case of multiple years of problems. This was, this was not overnight and three weeks later. But here's the beautiful thing. At the moment that we prayed together, and the moment we said, okay, we all signed off, we got to write this letter. Literally the following week, the person that was the problem came forward at the end of a service crying before God in repentance. We never got to deliver the letter. We never delivered the letter. Because we all knew privately, it wasn't public, we all knew, but we never delivered the letter because we're looking and we're like, that's not the same person anymore. Jesus did a work in that person's life. This letter is irrelevant. So immediately we ripped that up and just fall on and love on this person. Last thing today. Jesus is displayed in us when reconciliation comes through us. Jesus is displayed in us when reconciliation comes through us. You might think you're, you're loving people well by not having the conversation. You might think you're loving people well by absorbing all the pain. You might think you're loving people well by being angry and being a big bear. You're really not. You're most like Jesus when you're doing the work of reconciliation. When you're saying, I'm, I'm going to step in, not because of ego or pride. I'm going to have this conversation because I feel like our relationship is broken. And I'm hoping that our relationship improves from here, not gets worse. So I'm going to do this because I love you and I want to be made right with you. So can we, make, can we be made right with each other? And if, can you imagine, if you look around, can you imagine 
if everybody you locked eyes with had that heart? We said, yeah, we're going to do it the Jesus way. That's so freeing because I never have to worry anymore. And I can always have those conversations. And it allows me to actually forgive more often because I'm like, I don't know if that's that serious. But when it is that serious, I know that we'll have the conversation. You're most like Jesus when you're doing the Jesus work of reconciliation. I pray that you would evaluate. Ask yourself, say, man, or ask the, not ask yourself. Ask God, say, God, am I an avoider? God, am I an absorber? Am I, am I harboring bitterness and not realizing it? God, am I an attacker? Do I, do, do I become a bear way too fast? God, from no matter which perch I'm starting, would you help me to become a reconciler? Would you help me to become a person that speaks up in love for the sake of gaining my brothers and sisters? I want to do the work of Jesus. I want to do the work of reconciliation. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you've given us an example. Not an example as the world does on how to get back or how to get better. But you've given us an example on how to build one another up and to win over our brother or sister. Father, undoubtedly this morning, there's been many thoughts that have flown through our mind. And we're going to have to unpack whether or not we have to have conversations. Father, I pray that those things that we're able to forgive and move on and start fresh today, God, I pray that you'll allow us to do it. I pray, God, that if, if there's something that's in our hearts right now that we're able to forgive and let go of, but start fresh today and say, you know what, starting from this day forward, I'm going to reconcile. Father, I pray that if that's what we can do, I pray that you let us do it. But God, there might be somebody that has really deep-seated hurt, really deep-seated pain. And the best thing that could happen might be for a conversation, a one-on-one -on -one conversation so that one person can be quick to forgive and the other person can be quick to say they're sorry. And Father, I pray that you would drum up in us, not only those of us live in the room, but those that have watched later, I pray that you'll drum up in us a spirit of Jesus' reconciliation. Help us to be just like Jesus in how we handle conflict. Help us to build bridges with each other. Help us to not uh, just write each other off. Help us to not bring third parties in. Help us to not gossip. Help us to not absorb pain that we don't have to, but help us to build bridges of reconciliation. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving the pattern forward. Help us to be kingdom citizens in the week ahead. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...